Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe! I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm Mitzi, Oven Mitt, Molly's right-hand gal and co-host on the show. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. Plus, at the end of the season, we'll use all of the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. Can you guess what it is yet? It will use cinnamon, vegetable oil, garlic, chipotle chili powder, and tomato sauce. It's day two of tomato sauce week. That's right. And we've got a great episode for you today. First up, Greg is headed back to Fact Town in Tricky Trivia. Then, Chad is talking to someone who works in a recycling plant for Ask a Grown-Up. And finally, Andrea will help us learn how to concentrate in how-to time. I think she's going to teach us about concentrates, not how to concentrate. Oh, those are different things. Yes, different things. Well, I can't say I'm not disappointed. I've been feeling a little out of focus lately. Kind of... Meh. Would you feel better if we played the theme song? Oh, yes. Great idea, Molly. I'd love to concentrate on how much I love listening to the theme. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. Wow, great vibe in here right now. Mystery recipe. Theme song never fails me. It's truly delightful. Yeah, I've always felt that way about music. I just turn on the sweet, sweet sounds of bread rock. Wait, Metsy, does bread rock actually exist? I thought Chad just made it up for a wild card last season. I want to buy it. Oh, golly, Molly, I wish bread rock existed. No, I just play that part of the episode on a loop to help me concentrate. Anyway, sometimes I do that with our theme song, too. Just played over and over and over and over and over while I'm working on other tasks. Actually, I think it'd be helpful to play it again right now! No, no, that's okay, Mitzi. I think we're good on the theme for today. Are you sure? Yes. But, Mitzi, what did you say that music helps you do? Well, it helps me do a lot of things. It helps me find a beat to boogie to. It helps me connect with people when we like the same music. It helps me concentrate when I've got a lot of work on my play. Hey, Molly, you sly podcast host, you. Music helps me concentrate. It helps me sometimes, too. Really? Yeah. I actually think there have been some studies done about the many benefits of music, including how it helps increase focus. Ah, that's amazing. Hey, boss. What's amazing? Besides you, Greg the Great. Ah, Greg the Greater. Greg, Greg the Greatest? Look at me, I'm distracted again. Greg, I'll fill you in after I do a bit more research. I think it's just about time for Tricky Trivia. Sounds good to me. Research? Mitzi, what are you... I'll be back soon, Molly. You go ahead and concentrate on trivia. All right, then. Greg, are you ready for this week's round of Tricky Trivia? I believe I am, Molly. Listeners, in Tricky Trivia... Molly will tell us a fact about our ingredient theme, and we get to decide if it's true or false. Great. Let's jump right in. 
Here's your first one. True or false? People in Italy used to think tomatoes were dangerous. So, Greg, is that true or false? Did people in Italy used to think tomatoes were dangerous? Huh. Well, that's an interesting question, Molly. I'd start by saying I don't see how tomatoes could be dangerous, if I'm being honest. I mean, they are very soft. They don't even really hurt that much when someone throws one at you. (laughs) Uh, Not that I know for sure, but that's my guess. And I also know tomatoes are used a lot in Italian cooking. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, all over Italian cooking. So, for those reasons, I'm going to say false. Ah, sorry, Greg, but the answer is actually true. Way back when, all the way back in the 1600s, Italian writers were talking about tomatoes as if they might be poisonous. No way! Way. Our understanding of foods change over time. But before people trusted tomatoes to be the healthy and delicious fruit we know them to be today, people in Italy were sort of afraid of them. Giovanni Domenico Sala, an Italian doctor, wrote in 1628 that he thought tomatoes were strange and horrible things that a few unwise people were willing to eat. Well, good thing we aren't still listening to Dr. Sala, or we might not have tomato sauce at all. All right, let's keep going. In 2019, Americans consumed about 2 million pounds of tomato paste. What do you think? True or false, did Americans consume 2 million pounds of tomato paste in 2019? Hmm, I know that tomato paste is concentrated tomatoes and is usually an ingredient for tomato sauce. And I also know that you can buy tomato paste on its own. Two million sounds like a really big number. I mean, it is a really big number. Right. But is it a big enough number for tomato paste? Uh, If I'm being honest, I don't think it is. Hey, Molly, do you know how much tomato paste is in the tiny cans you get at the grocery store? The small cans you're thinking of usually contain about six ounces of tomato paste. Mm, Thank you. I know that there are 16 ounces in a pound. And if I do some math... Let's say divided by seven, carry the three. That means that it takes a little more than two and a half tiny cans to make up a pound. I also know that there are over 300 million people living in the United States. If people in the U.S. only consumed two million pounds of tomato paste in a year, that only equals about five million of those little cans. Even though it seems like a big number by itself, it's a really small number compared to the amount of actual people in the United States. And that's not even counting the tomato paste and things like tomato sauce you buy from the grocery store. Wow, Greg, that was a lot of math. Nice work. So what do you think that means for our question? So I'm going to go with false. I don't know exactly how much tomato paste people here actually eat, but I bet it's a lot more than two million pounds. That's correct. It is a lot more than two million pounds. In 2019, people in the United States actually consumed more than two billion pounds of tomato paste. Whoa, that's a lot of tomato paste. But how much more is two billion than two million? Well, an empty airplane is about 90,000 pounds. If you do a little math, you can find out that 2 million pounds is equal in weight to about 22 empty airplanes. 
Wow, that's a lot of planes, but I could probably count those pretty easily at the airport. Definitely. Now we're going to do the same math with 2 billion instead of 2 million. 2 billion pounds is equal in weight to more than 22,000 empty airplanes. <laughs> Wowzers. I don't think I can count that many at the airport. Probably not. Does that help you understand just how big a billion is compared to a million? I think so. Thanks, Math Whiz Molly. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay, final question. The only tomatoes you should use in a homemade tomato sauce are super juicy, delicate tomatoes. Well, uh, I think it makes sense that you want lots of tomato flavor. But saying you should only use one kind of tomato to make sauce seems like it may limit your tomato options too much. So I'm going to say false. Nice job. It is false. In general, people prefer to make tomato sauces out of paste tomato varieties, like San Marzano and Roma tomatoes. Paste tomato varieties are what they sound like, types of tomatoes that are used to make tomato paste. That's partly because paste tomatoes are actually less juicy than other types of tomatoes. Being less juicy helps them cook into a sauce quickly, partially because there is less water that needs to be cooked out. Good to know. Thanks, Molly. Thank you for playing Tricky Trivia with me today. All right, gang, everybody up. Let's get on your feet and start marching. Uh, okay. Ouch, Mitzi, my foot. Oh, sorry, Molly. Uh, maybe I'll just march in place then. Uh, better yet, jumping jacks, everyone. Go, 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 and burpees. Let's go. I'll count them off. Uh-huh. In one, uh, two. Uh, I don't get how this is exercise, but hey, let's keep it moving. <sighs> Mitzi. I'm running out of breath. Great! Not great. Greg, let's take a breather. Mitzi, what's going on? It's all backed up by research, Molly. It's science right here. Uh, that, that one wasn't exercise. That was just a burp. <laughs> I'll explain after our commercial break. I could maybe use a breather, too. <sighs> Here's a quick word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. Uh-uh. I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger family of stores. Kroger's pickup and delivery options make it easy to have grocery shopping be one less thing on your to-do list. To order a grocery delivery, you can shop online for the products you need and get them on your doorstep the same day. Planning ahead? You can also choose a date and time that works for you. Or try their pickup service and pick up your order at the store you choose. Kroger Associates will even bring out your purchases and load them into your car. It's great. Available in appropriate markets only. Find out more by going to Kroger.com today. Hey, grown-ups! Today I want to tell you all about mangoes. And my friend Carmen Dongo is here to help. Carmen, can you introduce yourself, please? I'm Carmen Dongo. I'm a test cook with America's Test Kitchen. Carmen, I know tons of kids love fresh-cut mangoes as a snack. But dishes with mango are a great way to get kids to try new flavors, too. Can you think of any mango recipes that you think kids would enjoy? I think kids would really enjoy tasting mango lassi. 
Lassi is a yogurt-based drink that originated in the Punjab region of India. You can also just blend them up into a mango smoothie. For more easy, kid-approved mango recipes, visit mango.org slash mysteryrecipe. All right, Mitzi, what's with all the exercise? Well, after you and I talked about how some music helps people focus, I decided to do a little research into what else helps you focus. And after concentrating so hard on trivia, I figured you two could use a little brain boost. Augment your attentiveness? You know, foster some focus? And just as music has been proven to increase focus and concentration, so has exercise. That's neat. I thought so, too. Hey, folks. Is everything okay in here? I heard a lot of burping while I was out in the hallway. Uh, everything's fine, Chad. I was just doing some exercise to help us focus. Everyone says burpees are good exercise, but I don't think I get it. Not sure you're doing those right, Mitzi. Perfect timing, though, Chad. It's actually just about time for our next segment, Ask a Grown-Up. Why don't you and Greg go for a walk, Mitzi? That can help you focus, too. Eh, I think we could just keep working out here, Molly. You know, get in some planks, some jumping lunges, the usual. I generally just prefer not to jump. I think it might help Chad concentrate on this segment a little more if you don't exercise here. Ah, that makes sense. Come on, Greg, let's go outside and do a quick hit routine. (sighs) Maybe yoga instead. Bye, Molly and Chad. So, what are we learning about today, Chad? Well, all this week we are learning about tomato sauce and its many uses. It's a pretty versatile and magical ingredient that arrives in a can or in a jar and can transform a dish. But since we know so much about what ends up happening with the sauce, I figure I'd look into where these cans and jars end up after we're done cooking. They usually get recycled, no? They absolutely do, or they should. I'm sure our listeners already know this, but many types of materials can be recycled instead of thrown away. Things like cardboard, aluminum, glass, and plastics are all recyclable materials. Right, and tomato sauce often comes in an aluminum can or a glass jar, so they can get recycled. Right, but what does that mean? They go to a recycling center and get turned into something else? You're not wrong, but how? I'm not entirely sure. Neither was I, so I found an expert. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how's it going? It's going okay. I spoke with Kara Napolitano. I'm the Education and Outreach Coordinator for Sims Municipal Recycling. And what is Sims Municipal Recycling? Sims Municipal Recycling processes 100% of the metal, glass, and plastic and cartons that are recycled from homes and public schools in all of New York City. Which is a lot of recycling. Sims Municipal Recycling is the largest recycling plant of its kind in the United States. Because New York City is a very big city, they have to deal with a lot of recycling. Yes, it ends up being about 1,000 tons of materials every day. And I just like to comment that that's equal to about 200 medium-sized elephants, if you need to imagine, you know, what is 1,000 tons a day. 
And so, processing that much recycling every day, I figured Kara would be the perfect person to walk me through exactly what happens to those cans and jars after they get collected from our homes. Really what we do is we receive the recyclables mixed together, right? Different types of materials, metal, glass, plastic, and cartons. And our job is to then sort those materials out into their categories. So we have a few different types of fancy technology that we rely on along with human power that sorts out the different materials so that we can then sell those materials to another company. They then go to another facility where they're actually reprocessed and made into new things. What kind of fancy technology is Kara talking about? Yeah, I think calling it a few different types of fancy technology is an understatement. The work they are doing at Sims and at recycling plants around the world is very cool. Kara talked me through each step of the process. So first, it will be unloaded onto our tipping floor, which is a gigantic room full of just mountains of recyclables, mountains of mixed materials. That's where the materials wait for sorting. So they'll then be pushed into our sorting system and go through a series of sorting steps. So we use something called disc screens to sort out the glass. Think of many rows of metal rods spinning. So all these metal rods in a row spin, and as they spin, recyclables just roll over the top. But glass, when glass hits against metal, well, it's going to break. So the glass breaks into small pieces that fall in between openings, between those metal rods. So we screen out the small pieces of broken glass. Sounds amazing, but also very loud. Kara said it is very, very loud. All the employees wear earplugs, and if you ever get a tour of the place in person, you can too. So that's how the glass gets sorted. So other than the glass, we're also sorting out different types of plastic because there are actually many types of plastic and you cannot mix them together to make something new. So we have to sort out the water bottle plastic from the milk jug plastic and shampoo bottle plastic from the yogurt cup plastic and the to-go container plastic. So we're using these very fancy cameras that scan recyclables and then when they find a plastic that we want, they then use an air jet to shoot it onto another conveyor belt into another place. So we're sorting out different types of plastics that way. I can just picture all these plastic bottles slowly rolling past. And whenever there's a milk jug, it just gets air jetted right out of there. There will be magnets to pull out magnetic metal, and that magnetic metal will actually be recycled. There will be reversed magnets called eddy currents, which are super cool. If you're a physics person, maybe you've heard of eddy currents, but it's a reverse magnet that actually ejects non-magnetic metal. So it like shoots it out from the stream. It's also very cool to watch. And that non-magnetic metal will also be recovered. It will also be recycled. And then we're using human power as well, just to do a final check, a final cleanup at the end. But it's really glass and then metals, different types of plastics and cartons as well. Wow, sounds like quite the high-tech operation they have going. They do, but they sort of have to, given the amount of recycled materials they receive every day. Having to recycle so much material is a challenge that Sims Municipal and recycling plants across the U.S. and across the world have solved in a lot of creative ways. But we can be part of the solution at home as well. 
So I teach people about recycling and I like to remind people at the end of, of every talk that I give that recycling is good and helpful and important. Please recycle and recycle right. But we have to remember that there are three R words. Reduce is number one. Reuse is number two. Recycle is number three. It's coming in at the bottom. It's the least important. What you can really do that has a much larger impact is reduce the amount of waste that you generate altogether because that eliminates the problem. <laughs> so we don't even have to worry about recycling. We don't have to worry about throwing stuff away and then how it will affect our environment and how much it will cost. Just reduce the waste you create. One way to do that is to reuse things. Buy the thing that will last for a long time and then commit to reusing it. Wash it or repair it, refill it, refurbish it, replace parts, all of those other R words. So you can go for the reusable option instead of the disposable option. So basically, recycling is very cool, but reducing the amount of waste we create and reusing as many things as we can, it's even cooler. Thanks, Chad. And thanks to Kara Napolitano from Sims Municipal for teaching us about our R words. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. Grownups, if you want to schedule a virtual or soon-to-be-in-person-again tour of Sims Municipal, you can head to simsmunicipal.com. Molly, prop everything you're doing! This sounds like it's about to be a whole thing. I'm going to sit this one out. Thanks, Molly. See you next week. Mitzi, is something wrong? Yes! What is it? What's wrong is that you haven't had a moment all episode to take a deep, calming breath. Breathe in. Mitzi, you made me nervous that something was wrong. Breathe out. Mitzi? I'm sorry, I came in a little forcefully, but please, breathe with me for a moment. Fine. Listeners, you can try this one at home, too. Breathe with us. In for four, three, two, one. Hold it. And out for four, three, two, one. In. Out. Calm your mind. Let your body be still. Wow, Mitzi, that was really relaxing. Hey, everybody. Wow, great vibe in here right now. Would you say it seems like people are relaxed yet energized? Mellow, but clearly anchored in the now? Sure, Mitzi. Yes, it worked. Ah, high five, Greg. Molly, these folks are ready to go for their next segment. Thanks, Mitzi. Hey, Andrea. Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. Are you ready for how-to time, Greg? I'm ready, Molly. Hello, Andrea. Hi, bud. Nice to see you. So, uh, Andrea, what are we going to be learning about today? This week, we're going to talk about reduction. Reduction? Does that mean to make less of something? Like we just reduced our stress. Right, Andrea? It sure does, Mitzi. Greg, can you think of a time when you're cooking that you'd want to reduce the amount of something? 
Hmm, maybe when you put too much pepper in something? Ooh, or when there is parsley. Reduce that right down to zero. I was thinking more along the lines of a kitchen technique. Oh, right. Um... I'll give you a hint. It's closely related to the scientific concept of a liquid turning to a gas. Oh, that sounds like evaporation! Ding, ding, ding! Reduction is simmering or boiling a liquid or sauce until it reaches a certain concentration. When you reduce something, you cook it until some of the water evaporates. You wind up with less, but what's left behind has a more concentrated flavor. So to get more flavor, You just cook something for a long time until moisture evaporates? You're right that you cook it, but it's not always for a long time. Depending on how much liquid you're cooking and what kind of pot you're cooking it in, it could be really fast. Let's check out some reduction in action. I have some tomato sauce in a medium saucepan here. Give it a little taste. Here's a spoon. Hmm, it tastes tomatoey and a little sweet. Perfect. Now, let's cook it over medium heat for about 10 to 15 minutes and see what happens. We're gonna reduce over medium heat because we wanna encourage evaporation, but we don't want this to take too long. We're looking for small bubbles to break across the surface of the sauce, but we don't want it to be at a full boil with lots of bubbles breaking like it would be over high heat. Always read your recipe carefully. It will usually tell you what level of heat to use and about how long it should take to reduce to the right amount. How do you know when it's reduced enough? That's a great question. For one thing, it will start to thicken. You can test how thick a sauce is by watching how it runs off of a spoon. If you look before you start reducing, and then once you've been cooking for a little while, check again, you'll start to see the difference. Another way, and one that works great with tomato sauce, is you can see the level of liquid going down in the pan. All right, let's let this reduce for about 15 minutes. Okay, but uh, won't that be a little bit boring for our listeners? Oh, don't worry about that. It's a podcast. They'll just fast forward. Want to tell me about some of the recipes you've been developing while we wait? So so then I said, that's not a cutting board. (laughs) Too funny, Greg. Okay, it's been about 15 minutes. Let's check our sauce. Oh, look, I can see a red ring where the sauce started at the beginning. And now it's a little bit lower. That's great. That means it's reducing. The other thing to notice is flavor, like we talked about earlier. One of the reasons to reduce cooking liquid is to concentrate its flavor. Let's turn this heat off and slide it to a cool burner. Now let's take a little taste. Don't forget to blow on it. It's still hot. Okay. Uh, mm, it, it tastes a little saltier. And it feels a little thicker in my mouth. And uh, more tomatoey. Mm, that's not a very good description, is it? That's actually a great one. What we did by reducing this sauce is concentrate its flavors. So it should taste a little more tomatoey, like a super tomato sauce. Whoa, I can't wait to try this with other things. Reducing is a good technique for soups and stews or a big pot of chili. Those things cook for a longer time and taste better once all those yummy flavors are concentrated. Just remember, those concentrated flavors include salt. So if you know you're going to reduce something, be careful not to add too much salt right away because it might taste too salty after you've reduced it. Start with a little bit and you can always add more later. 
Thanks so much for teaching me that, Andrea. It's really helpful for me as I work on developing recipes. Lovely to have you, as always, Andrea. But I think it's time for us all to head to bed. Mitt's orders. Oh, thanks, Mitzi. Uh, bye, I guess. Mitzi, it's the middle of the day. It's not time for bed yet. Uh, but it's the last tactic I wanted to try to help me work on my concentration. It's very important to get lots of sleep if you want to be focused. How about instead of going to sleep right now, Greg and I promise to get a full night's rest tonight. I'm assuming you won't allow me to observe your sleep patterns to ensure you get a truly restful night's sleep. No, but I will use your mindful breathing techniques from earlier before I go to bed. I suppose that's good enough. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. We'll be back soon with another saucy episode. We've got an umami-filled plate race in our pressing questions segment, followed by something silly in our wild card. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is? Remember... Focus on the ingredients we've revealed so far. If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And if you liked this episode, share it with a friend. Or feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them for hours and hours and hours. Until then, keep Keep on on cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum and I am a chocolate croissant. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is Eggs Benedict. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a breakfast burrito. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Anya Jeshik and Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. They are two eggs over easy with a side of corned beef hash. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a Pop-Tart. Our post-production supervisor is Jen Margolis. She's French toast. Our line producer is Diane Knox, who is also an omelet. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's two double lattes. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a blueberry pancake. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, executive editor, Kristen Sargianis, Executive Food Editor, Susanna McFerrin. Senior Editors, Afton Cyrus and Ali Velez-Aldifer. Test Cooks, Andrea Vavjin and Cassandra Laughlin. Assistant Editors, Katie O'Hara and Tess Berger. And Assistant Test Cook, Kristen Bango. This entire episode was written by Katie O'Hara, and we loved it. We love you, Katie O'Hara. You're very talented, a wonderful writer. I wish I could be Katie O'Hara, but I'm Mitzi. (laughs) This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Jonathan Cormer. Andrea Vavjin was a contributing writer on this episode. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger and the National Mango Board. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kits. No one knows what it's like hey, do I know to this be song? a loaf pan. A nonstick loaf pan. A nine by five. I wish Bread Rock was real. Oh, so do I, Molly. So do I. Should I take it from the top while you work on that editor's letter? 
No, no, that's okay, Mitzi. Ah, you're right. Something new. To the theme! Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts. And we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win. 